0: Welcome to the True Sales Podcast. My name is Adam Cox, and this is a show where I get to speak all things sales with leaders, founders, owners, and directors. I'll be speaking to guests from all over Australia, getting their thoughts on subjects like sales processes, strategies, coping with setbacks, and establishing and maintaining the right mindset. Thank you for, for joining me on the uh, True Sales Podcast. Um, as I do with all guests, I usually do a brief introduction before the, uh, the interview. Um, just for the sake of the audience, Ben, just give me a bit of a, a brief introduction to yourself and your background.
1: Sure. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. First of all, it's uh, great to uh, have a chat finally. Um, my pleasure. Uh, but I'm my name's Ben Ford. I am currently head of sales at Yodley and Yodley are. I always describe Yodley as a a 20-year-old Silicon Valley startup, which isn't quite right on a couple of accounts. We're not quite in the heart of Silicon Valley. We're between San Francisco and the Valley, and we're not quite 20 years old as yet. Um, And we're best known for being a data aggregator or a platform as a service provider that enables consumers to... Their data, usually financial data, but yeah. can be things like loyalty data with trusted uh, th- partners who they want to transact with or interact with in a very secure and consent-based way. So okay. a lot of our clients are financial institutions, fintechs, and this space at the moment is obviously very, very hot, very interesting. So we're yeah. dealing with some really fascinating uh, companies that are coming, coming through.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. So, so in terms of your career, then, um, it's obviously head of sales now. But where did it all start for you? Uh, how did you end up? Did you fall into sales initially?
1: Pretty much, you could say I fell from a, a great height into sales, and I, I don't really mean—I don't really mean that in a good way. <laughs> after after uni, I, I joined KPMG on the accountancy uh, scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it was a tax accountancy scheme, which okay. should have been my uh first uh first red flag i in my wisdom after uni not really knowing what i wanted to do just followed the crowd joined applied to a number of graduate schemes got on the kpmg one quickly realized that studying tax wasn't for me and promptly failed a couple of exams and kpmg and i decided that we weren't going to be a good fit going forward and i left after a year yeah Uh, It was a really good year in many respects, in terms of some of the people I met and some of the experiences I had within the the KPMG framework, but not necessarily work-related. So playing sport for the football team, going and playing for the KPMG European tennis team at the European tennis championships, bizarrely. Uh, But yeah, we parted ways and looking for a new job, I was looking at some stockbroker type jobs or sales jobs in, in that regard and yep. ended up working as a commodity broker in the city of Nottingham in the UK. Okay. Yeah. And I've described that as pretty much a, a poor man's wolf of Wall Street type of experience <laughs> and was there for three years. Yep. It was a commission only sales role. Wow. We, when I started, it was very much an analog based role. So there, we had no computers, we had a phone and we had a list of people to call yep. each day. And you got on the phone, you made the calls. And if you didn't make sales eventually, then you didn't get paid. Wow. Okay. So it it was a pretty frenetic experience. It was a pretty tough environment at times, but it was really quite good in terms of looking back on it now, look back on it semi-fondly, but some great learnings along the way. And certainly in terms of uh, providing, I guess, some resilience and some character in terms of being able to, handle knockbacks rejections um it was uh, a good overall experience
0: yeah so so what what would from from kpmg then to going into that type of position what was your thought process there because obviously from one end of the spectrum to the other isn't it
1: it is and i'd like to say there was a huge amount of thought process (laughs) there wasn't yeah it was a case of professional services and accountancy probably wasn't going to be a, a good fit for my personality so I would sort yeah. of struck that one off yeah um, and within that financial sphere sales was reasonably attractive I'd never mm. done it before so I had no idea whether I'd have a, any degree of aptitude for it or mm. not yeah and so it was a bit of a, a leap into the unknown yeah. but it was the gamble I, I took I, I just started dating a girl in Nottingham at the time, which probably played a part in me staying <laughs> stay local and and taking that job. Um,
0: yeah. Okay, so that's, and I can't really can't
1: really offer any more than that, Adam.
0: Well, it's interesting because uh, I posted yesterday from a from an interview I did last week uh, on the podcast, um, and about it's about understanding yourself. And and the the, the guy that um, I interviewed, Jeremy, he basically said himself that before he got into sales, it was a case of understanding him. And and you mentioned there obviously the personality. Uh, for yourself um, sort of led was obviously a good crossover for sales and I think in a a lot of ways um, the personality in sales is probably a big huge factor especially for me as a part of as a a recruiter uh, of sales that the the personality of the person says a lot uh, and whether or not they're going to be successful I find so I think that the the, the understanding of yourself there really early on probably played a big part to why you sort of jumped into it Um, obviously from a from your point of view, more accidental than than on purpose, but your obviously personality led you to that. I, th-
1: I think I think you're right. I think there's a lot in that. I would mm-hmm. say, again, looking back on it now, that yeah. that's kind of a nice way of looking at it. At the time, <laughs> it was a bit more speculative <laughs> and random than that. So, don't forget, <laughs> yeah. this is this is going back quite a few years, yeah. and it was at a time when I didn't really know a huge amount about sales, and sales was almost sort of a, a bit of a uh, a dirty word in some respects or in still certain is, quarters
0: s- still is it a lot of places as well Ab- absolutely
1: absolutely so yeah it was t- tricky in that regard um but i could see i guess sort of elements that that made me think i would be reasonably sort of well suited to it yep. possibly to, to some degree with it with a tailing wind
0: yeah no perfect so talk me through your um, your role now, then, so obviously head of sales at Yodlee. Um, just give us a bit of a sort of an overview of your 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 sort of responsibilities there at the moment.
1: So it's a predominantly a new business role. Yeah. We have a relatively small team here in Australia. Yeah, uh, we've been actually been operating in Australia for ten years. Our first client was Amz Bank wow. in two thousand and eight. Yeah. Um, now, it's been a bit of a roller coaster since then with various banks having a, a, a view on whether Yodli and its competitors is a, a, a good way to to for consumers to share data. But that's yeah. probably a conversation for another time. Yeah. But at the moment, our, our customer base is very much in the, the fintech and the software and the CRM space. There's a lot of market development involved. Yeah. So a lot of my time is at events, um, at fintech uh startups and incubators getting involved with fintech australia and some of the other regulatory bodies yeah. um, to really sort of broaden our broaden our reach um and a lot of hustle and i guess what you call sort of more traditional sales and, and new business tactics
0: yeah sure so so what do you fear so in terms of your your data do you, you being head of sales are you responsible for anyone um in the sales team or is it pre- predominantly just yourself sort of heading that up your, on your own
1: it sort of morphed over the over the years, so yeah. um, or over the, the few years that I've been there. So for a long time with a small team, it was sort of a lone wolf type role. So yeah. it was really uh, quite a, a challenge when I started because um, there hadn't been someone on the ground for a period of time. I think some of our local competitors had sort of kept up with us. And what you've yeah. got to remember is Yodley, having been, done this for... 20 years or so and been a fairly sort of large and successful company in the u.s we were acquired in 2016 for 650 million u.s dollars mm. um yeah. but over here it's a obviously a very different market and there were some nascent startups um com- competing with Yodli that decided to encroach on our our territory or our patch if you like so um It it was a sort of a tough ride in terms of re-educating the market or certain quarters of the market and re-establishing that presence and really sort of creating uh, a view that we wanted to work very closely with startups. We wanted to support and nurture startups and really get to the the grassroots of that sort of ecosystem at the moment or that's very, very uh, quite strong here in Australia. Um, But just sort of position ourselves at the forefront of that um, to ensure we can, you know, we can be involved in the companies like a a rays or an acorns as it was formerly, which um, to to roll out a cliche from a small acorn has grown into a, a much bigger oak. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and and th- those are the kind of organisations that um, we we we're keen to get involved with.
0: Perfect. And so, what, what what's your process in terms of um that your, your sales process and and from the point of generating leads? How how do you go about doing that yourself?
1: It's it's a bit of a mixed bag i'll be honest we have some inbound leads that come in from um a partner we work with in the in the us okay um and a lot of it is attending events three or four nights a week or two or three nights a week and through the network being introductions being made um getting involved in uh, judging awards, getting involved in panel discussions and things like that, and meeting people that way. I found that to be really, really effective within yeah. the fintech scene. It's quite a clo- close-knit community, and people yeah. are very happy to sort of share their their network and their resources and point you in the right direction and provide help. Um, and I guess it cuts both ways as well. So um, I found that to be a, a sort of new aspect of sales that perhaps i've I've not used in any of my previous jobs or, or roles um yeah, yeah. but it's worked very very effectively for us over here
0: yeah sure so i'm guessing that obviously the amount of time it's going being because it's, a, it's sort of quite taken quite a lot of your time doing that two three days two or two three nights a week doing events and um, conferences and that type of thing but i'd imagine that the conversations you are having are a lot more solid than if you were just basically picking up the phone to them in the middle of the day uh is that uh, is, is that fair to say
1: I think so. Yeah, I think on on a a couple of factors or a couple of levels. So you're absolutely right. I mean, you're you're, you're socializing. Um, Oftentimes these events don't feel like work. So you're in a pretty sort of relaxed state. Uh, Other people are in a a similar state themselves. Um, And there was an event three or four weeks ago where through a, a friend of mine, I got introduced to a founder who was actually working with a competitor and we hit it off. I think we went for a coffee, we had a chat, and we had those guys uh, signed over to us, probably a six figure deal within two weeks, and actually up and running and live within two weeks. Wow. Um, so and good. if and if I'd not been to this, I think it was a, a women in tech event where people were pitching their, their, their products, mm-hmm. um, and we were sat at the back. And if, if I'd not been sat next to this guy, then that never would have happened wow well, um, yeah so um but the flip side is there's a lot of times when you're there on your own at an event with a slice of cold pizza not really speaking to anyone <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you sort of go home on the bus and you think you know that was probably a bit of a waste of my time but yeah. um you know I, I guess that's the uh that's, that's the way it goes and that's... um you uh you uh make hay while the sun shines
0: yeah i'd imagine it's, it's a bit of a learning curve as well in, in terms of finding out which, which events are the ones that were f- um attending and then but you don't know until you've actually tried them out i guess
1: that's exactly that's exactly it and then yeah. you, you get a feel pretty quickly for the ones that are going to be um more more beneficial or more yeah. useful and you uh pick your pick your battles accordingly
0: yeah of course so in the in the sort of more traditional ways of business development do you, do you go through those um as well in terms of the, the calls the the general meetings of getting in front of people that type of thing
1: yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. So uh, it's, it's, it's not 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 all events, Adam. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, stand, standard sort of protocol. Very often uh, coffee's a flavour of the month. So I'm pretty much a regular at the coffee shop next to our office, which is Tank Steam Labs, um, <laughs> yeah. down on the corner of Pitt and Bridge Street. And the sales cycle can really sort of depend, particularly when you're working with uh, nascent or fledgling startups, can be anywhere from two weeks to larger deployments or more um enterprise style deals could be anything up to 18 months so it's a real mixed bag um sometimes there'll be numerous meetings presentations for some tenders i've sort of had to go into state and sit in on fairly large tenders where we're one of multiple many many different providers pulling in to be part of a service so they, they would be i guess your more traditional sales engagements
0: yeah, and, and how do you find your, your sort of plan your day in terms of business development? Do you set a t- time aside specifically for that or is it uh, quite sporadic in, in terms of out with things coming in and out?
1: I, I, I wish I did. I wish mm. I was a bit more disciplined. I tend to be very much punches in bunches is okay. my, my, my approach. So I have flurries of activity um, on that side of things and then perhaps doing something more on the planning side or more strategic. Um, yeah. And I just, I I I find despite my better judgment, that's just how things tend to sort of fall into place for me. And when I get on a roll or I get ahead of steam, then I can sort of make multiple what I'd call positive outcome calls or positive outcome yeah. meetings or what have you. Uh, I really like having days where I'm back to back with meetings, have six or eight client meetings and I'm just buzzing around the city. Um, bouncing from meeting to meeting because I find you get on a a bit of a roll there and get a bit of momentum. Um, And then I'll have other days where I'm very much head down in the books or doing admin or, or planning.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's fair enough. So I noticed that uh, obviously, um, because I've been connected with yourself on on LinkedIn for quite some time now, and uh, I can see that you've, you've been a lot more sort of active and proactive in sort of posting video videos, I think, and also sort of pictures as well. Um, is that been a bit of conscious effort of yours to try and sort of build that personal brand from your point of view?
1: I guess so, without paying it too much attention. I, I think what I've found is, a lo- I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to uh, a, lo- a lot of books on Audible. Um, yeah. People like Tim Ferriss from the Four Hour Work Week and, v- and various other people that have, have been involved in the, I guess, the tech or the venture capital scene. Mm-hmm. And it's an area yeah. that's quite attractive for me, and that's where a lot of my clients are. And I guess it's also a bit of a, uh, a reaction to a lot of the triteness that you see on yeah. LinkedIn um if i'd see another linkedin post where someone is humbled honored and delighted to (laughs) get some kind of award or other then i I don't know what i'm going to do but uh, it seems to be all the rage these days and um there seems to be a a distinct lack of authenticity and originality in some of those posts um and a, a few friends and i you know we we really do roll our eyes at that i got one sent through overnight uh Mm. this this was a guy who'd who'd graduated from university and he'd got a first class honors which is you know obviously absolutely magnificent but he was delighted on linkedin to have graduated with a first class honors and announced it to his network again no 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 real objection to that but i think i think what we were thinking was if this is a guy fresh out of university and already he's um trotting out the the well-worn adjectives to describe how honored delighted and truly humbled he is then yeah. imagine what he's going to be like with a few career wins under his belt in 10 years time so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah it's so true so, well, I, so sorry just to just to yeah. finish that point off i, I thought you know I, and you know i could post a, a report or a study about this or that and again i think they're 10 a penny so sometimes at these events we hang out with some cool people we get some cool photos and um Stick them on. Uh, stick them on LinkedIn. I don't know if it's yeah. a good or a bad idea, but
0: uh, no. There you I, go. I, I think it. I think from that point of view, I think it's positive because it's obviously showing who you are, and and, uh, and I think a lot of the time, uh, sometimes you don't get the response that um, you you set out for, or not necessarily set out for, but I think. Because you don't get many comments or many likes, you think that you're not getting anywhere fast uh, and it's not actually building your personal brand. But there's been times where I've posted something, um, um or even the podcast it, itself, and not really got the engagement that you are kind of hoping But then I'll have a phone call with a client, say, or a candidate, and they said, Oh, I've seen your post the other day, uh, it was, it was quite an interesting uh, subject. And then you're kind of thinking, Well, actually, yes, there's just because people aren't engaging with it, they actually are still taking an interest and still um, it's still working behind the scenes. So I think in that regard, it's uh, it's, it's still positive um, that, that you obviously engaging with your your clients at those events. But from, I, I, from the, the the point that you made there on that that university student, for instance, was I don't when did that all change and when did that that become so popular? Because I find there's there's, there's times where people are posting. And you, I, I, just haven't got the, uh, I just haven't got it in me to, to, to come up with a kind of like a story where I'm kind of, you're suddenly bigging yourself up, but not, if you know what I mean. But when did that become such a popular thing on, on social media for that to be okay?
1: Oh, look, I, I think there's a, a couple of points to that. And you, you made a really good point just a minute ago. Let me go back to that first of all, um, yeah. because I know from, from experience with my, my own personal blog, which is a, a fitness blog, www.superfitdad.com.au okay. that you're absolutely right. You can put content out there that you put in the hard yards and you think might be really your, your, your best work. And occasionally something will be really, um, will hit the mark and you'll get a lot of comments, good or bad, and it will create polarity, which is kind of what you're, you're really looking for. No one wants to just be middle of the road and ordinary, right? Yeah. Yet at the same time, there's other there's plenty of watchers on the sidelines who will come up to you and say, oh, yeah, that, that post was absolutely fantastic, or I mm-hmm. I now have your workouts pinned to my wardrobe and it's the only time I actually get to do any training because I've got two newborn twins or something like yeah. that. And, you know, those are the things that really uh, make it worthwhile. You kind of wish mm-hmm. that people said that to you at the time, but yeah. um, I guess in, in creating content, that's a bit of the... Uh, the the challenge that you face in terms of the um the self-aggrandizing linkedin post i think that's probably worthy of a podcast of its own but i think (laughs) what people what people are not doing and this is more of a a writing tick is the, the old writing adage is show don't tell so show how well you're doing rather than have to tell the story and i think basically that's been completely turned on its head yes and for all the wrong reasons because people don't quite know how to show it so they have to tell it and they think yeah. that by humble bragging and saying how truly humble delighted and uh astonished or, or whatever it is and honored they are yeah. then that's um somehow somehow okay and look yeah if it if it makes you feel better about your achievements and it's your way of getting it out there look i don't begrudge anyone doing whatever makes them feel feel happy and um and successful but it does it, the problem is the proliferation of it, and they're all the, the There's no originality, and all of the posts are the same. And the problem yeah. is, if everybody is humbled, if everyone's delighted, and if everyone is truly honoured, mm. well then we're a pretty boring lot because no one's anything else, right?
0: Yeah, that's There doesn't seem to be any kind of real, not being real, and, and, and I know you even question sometimes whether a lot of the posts are actually made up because there's times (laughs) where um, there's the amount of times I've seen uh, a post about someone giving someone an opportunity that was unemployed um, and they they, they, there's a story behind it and it all basically is is is, is giving them uh, sort of credit for giving someone else a chance but uh, the amount of times I've seen that it's surely that they're not all, all real. It's, it's basically a made-up story. That, But he seems <laughs> to get a lot of engagement, which is it, what makes me question where, it, where, when did he become so popular for that to be okay? It's, it's just crazy.
1: Yeah, look, I don't know. One of my, one of my close friends, He's a, I've, I've worked with him years ago. He's a, a, a pretty senior guy now at a, a tech company, UK tech company, mm-hmm. and he has been saying for a long time that LinkedIn to him has become by far the least authentic social yep. media platform out of all of them. Yeah. um and i think he's probably completely completely right in that
0: um, and that's saying something isn't it
1: <laughs> absolutely and i think it, i think it, the reason people aren't authentic is they don't dare be authentic because there are career perceived career implications mm-hmm. uh the other thing that's cropping up a lot at the moment though there are quite a few satirical linkedin accounts or anti linkedin accounts that are cropping yeah. up i'm not sure if you've seen some of some of these posts and they're actually quite hilarious um mm-hmm and they they're worth looking out for and yeah. but they they're even becoming slightly unoriginal because there's so many of them now which yeah. is tells you what the the original type of posts are actually like or how uh, how common oh, okay. they are
0: yeah but well, it's interesting it'd be interesting to see what, what what direction it takes linkedin because like i say can't that can't go on forever because surely people will just get sick of it eventually
1: You'd you'd think so.
0: To to yourself then. um, So in terms of the, um, from from your point of view in sales and uh, taking it back to sales, I think we're going to find a bit of a tangent then about social media and complaining about social media. But um, in terms of the, um, from sales point of view, um, and obviously from my uh, speaker with other um, heads of sales and sales directors, there's a lot of issues. and, And even again, going back to social media, reading a lot of articles, there's a lot of problems with business development uh, managers or uh, sales staff going missing opportunities um because um not following up uh, on sales do you how do you stop that from happening yourself do you have a structure in place that allows you to um, make sure that you're following up on these opportunities or what, what what's your process there
1: i usually keep a running written tally it's pretty rudimentary but okay. i record all the leads i've got in a given fortnight a given week or a given month and yep. then just record where they're at who owes who a call and i do it in a very very manual way i'm pretty not as good as i should be on on salesforce or running my entire entire day off salesforce i'll be yeah. i'll be honest about that but yeah. um i do find that keeping on top of them manually works works pretty well um i also find that it's a balance between pushing people away and waiting for them to come back to you because i find that the odds of closing a deal if you've given someone some breathing space and allowed them to come back to you are exponentially higher than if you're always chasing them which i guess is no different to dating or anything else right it's true Uh, so true uh, but if you've got the you know it's a, a committed defined interest if they're taking the time to seek you out and come back to you when you've already imparted everything to them and you've just happened to give them a week or 10 days or two weeks breathing space, then yeah. I think you know that you've got a pretty good chance and they're a genuine, authentic opportunity Yeah. as opposed to someone who might just be paying lip service because you're uh, hassling them.
0: Yeah, that's right. So how, how do you find that balance? Because I think that's, a, it, it's a true, what you say there is so true. Um, it's that there, there is a real fine balance in following up and just becoming a nuisance um, so how do you how do you get that balance between the
1: two I think I think you've got to be really auth- authentic mm-hmm. really really likable or try yeah. and be as likable as you can be yeah. and and I think if you're honest and people can sense that rather than just playing a, a typical not a typical a, a running a running a script effectively I think people can sort of sense that so um, whether someone is going to end up signing a deal with me or whoever i'm working for at the time or not if you can one provide them with genuine help and assistance or advice so you'd play the whole trusted consultant role or what have you that's that's pretty standard but you can go above and beyond with that, making introductions and really saying actually i I don't think enough people say how can i help you what can i do today to actually help you as part of the sales process it's more you know what can i do to get you to sign a contract with me so i sort of try and try and twist the lens a little bit that way yeah and just by building a really, really genuine relationship with them. And if, it, if nothing comes of it, then absolutely fine. We can shake hands, yeah. walk away, go and sign up with one of my competitors. I don't really mind.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, so it, true. Which again, it is, is,
1: yeah, a counterintu- Sorry, I was just going to say it's a bit counterintuitive, but I think, you know, human behavior or human psychology sort of works that way and will, uh, and will reward you.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's so true. And, and I think going back to your initial post, uh, initial um, reaction to this, this, the social media side of it and building your personal brand. And you, you like I say, I've noticed more of your posting uh, with clients and that type of thing. And from that point of view, uh, so obviously all that sort of follow-up and, and leaving it in their hands and, and not be, becoming a nuisance. But that side of it as well has some, uh, will play a part in that uh, by you then noticing you, seeing you about with various uh, events, clients, that type of thing. And it kind of triggers a reminder to say, oh, actually, I'll, I'll reach out to Ben um, because obviously he's, he's heavily involved in our industry. He's heavily involved in this sector. And I think he plays a part in, obviously, the traditional business development, but that uh, personal branding side of it as well, sort of mix it together.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And, and that's why I, I sort of loosely call it market development, um, mm. which I think is, is absolutely critical to the piece or seems to be certainly, certainly in, in certain industries, um, yes. certainly something like a, a fintech environment where perhaps you could be dealing with a startup that maybe only has a couple of employees. Yeah, having a a really p- strong personal relationship with them, at least in the early stages, is really is re- really key to that. And uh, as you say, they they'll see you around the around town, and and you're the you're the go to person when they're, they're an ex colleague setting something up or another yeah. business is looking to use a similar service, and mm. um, it sort of uh, you know circulates around, I think, and uh, yeah. comes comes back around.
0: most definitely. So I mentioned there that I'd read a couple of articles recently. So I just want to I want to read out a couple of uh, a few points that um, I, I tend to agree with this. It's a really good article. It's a, it was an article from the US, uh, but I believe it's pretty accurate in terms of the market here and, and even in the UK when I was doing sales there. But so for the first one, 80% of sales calls require five follow up calls after the meeting. So what would you, would, you, would you tend to agree with that? What's your thoughts on that? Is that something that you find yourself that's tends to happen in your process?
1: Well can I just say first of all I uh, speaking of uh, putting stuff on link I remember reading this article or this post that you put so uh, okay. I, I, I do and I remember giving it some thought Yeah uh, I would say I'd, I I'd say that's probably fair yeah. I think um I think it's easy to become disheartened if people don't respond immediately um particularly if you're you know you feel like you're putting yourself out there to get in touch with them or you're putting yeah. together a, a pretty good offer for them Um, I've had a number of situations recently where people have gone AWOL or just not responded for four to six weeks. And I've sort of given them a gentle prod and a nudge here and there. And then eventually they've, um, come out of the ether, uh, raised their head up and said, you know, I was working on this or sorry, I missed you or or what have Mm -hmm. you. So I think, um, you know, it's important not to, uh, you know, this just talks to general sort of sales, tenacity and resilience, I guess. Um, and, but I would definitely say those numbers are, are, are reasonably, can be reasonably accurate. You'd hope it to be a bit less in a, a lot of cases, but perhaps uh, if you yeah. average it out, that could be about right.
0: I agree, and, and also I think with that figure bit, that that stat being so high, you can see why uh, follow up has been such a big issue for a lot of sales professionals. Because if it takes five sort of follow up calls, it's quite easy. If They haven't got a system in place that allows them to follow that up. You can see how many get falling through the net, uh, and how many opportunities are getting missed
1: agreed which, agreed yeah so then,
0: obviously that leads on to the next one which is 44% of sales reps give up after the first follow-up uh, which, which is, if you look that's kind of nearly nearly half of what they uh, the, the first the first initial contact is pretty much given up on after that which is quite scary isn't it it, it is yeah and I, I suppose it's a tr- it's a tricky sort of balance. It's a delicate balance
1: between when do you give up and when do you do you persevere? And just thinking, just a couple of instances come to mind, actually, just recently. We've just closed a deal last week. I was speaking to these guys at least a year ago, got pretty advanced in the discussion, and things went deadly quiet. They weren't in a position. I'd, I'd maybe followed up three or four times, and they very politely said, we're not quite ready yet. So I put it to bed. I actually closed off the opportunity in Salesforce. Yeah. And... Lo and behold, eight months later they 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 um come back and um they're they're ready to go and they want to do something they turn things around within three or four weeks, which was fantastic wow. and I guess sort of within different industries there's different time time frames, but particularly within this sort of tech space that we're working in or the fintech space or the startup scene, you really mm-hmm. do have to be quite cognizant of the fact that these guys. They may have temporarily run out of money. They may have different development um, objectives at the time. They may be building out other areas of their product. And we really are just a service supplier to them. So, yeah. again, it, I guess it sort of talks to that whole not taking it personally, not giving up, but just keeping things sort of on the gentle back burner. Because, you know, the, the sales cycle can be two weeks like the one I talked about at the beginning. Or yeah. it can be 18 months or, or just over a year like the one I, I've just mentioned now.
0: Yeah, of course, and I, I I think it's so true, and I, I've had it just just Friday just gone uh, exactly the same experience where because I've started doing um, I've, I've introduced a video platform into the the process for for our recruitment process, but part of that is actually using video as a way of introducing myself to uh, to potential clients prospects, either through LinkedIn message or via email, and I've obviously been introducing candidates that I've been representing or I've introduced myself and. A client, a, a potential prospect, come back to me on Friday and said, "Look, we've been receiving your your videos for uh, the last uh, probably month or so. Um, we have now got an opportunity available that we want me to work with uh, on uh, with us." And uh, so those those times, I couldn't get hold of them on the phone, um, but those videos were actually working. But I wasn't getting any kind of response, and it's quite easy to say just give up on that. Um, but they obviously in that instance came reached out to me, so I could see it does it does work and just because there's not an opportunity immediately doesn't mean there's not going to be one in the future
1: absolutely and i guess that talks about to the point about putting the content out there keeping in touch in a Mm. in a in a in a what i'd say a good way rather than hassling them or or getting their backup and good things potentially will will come out of it but it's uh I, i just don't think it's an exact science and that's uh your point that's the 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 hard thing to sometimes reconcile or or stay positive with
0: yeah that's right but i also think if you if you working in, a, in a, an organization where it's very kpi driven and they're very sort of on your back in terms of sales figures it's sometimes quite easy to lose focus on the actual offering them you what you what you're doing is actually offering value rather than it being chasing the the money uh, aspect yeah. of it and sometimes i think it's with sales professionals i think when they've In a a situation where he's very pressurised, it has the opposite effect and he comes across quite desperate. And then obviously that's, um, you know, so it's when when you're sort of chasing people up, like you said earlier, becoming a nuisance. I think that's those scenarios uh, are usually because they've got there's a bigger picture that's happening in the organisation they're working for rather than being an individual.
1: Agree. I, I do agree. However... I think it's actually the behaviours are actually counterintuitive or counterproductive to what you're trying to achieve. And it's yep. kind of marrying those two things up again, which is really, really quite tricky. And, you know, I've been in positions where I'm under the pump and mm-hmm. uh, you just have to do to, to kind of remind yourself to, to stick to the basics, stick to a, you know, that's when I would probably regress to a, 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 a daily formula. Yeah. If I can call it that of a set number of calls in the morning or a set number of calls before morning break or whatever it was. Um yeah. and almost sort of go back to very sort of sales one oh one um to uh push on through. Because if you're putting in the hard yards, the results are either gonna come or yeah. you're perhaps not it's not that you're not necessarily well suited to uh to the to the game, perhaps.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Well, that leads me on to the next sort of point of uh, the best time to cold call. Um, so, this particular article said between four and five. But have you found there's any any particular time that works for you better? Uh, for me personally, I, I my my personal opinion, um, I don't think there's any there's a, a, there is a good time. I think you, 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 it's all about what what you're off, off offering in terms of when you're getting them on the phone and how quickly you can turn them around into sort of turning it from a cold call into kind of a warm call, if you know what I mean. But what, what's your sort of opinions on that?
1: Um, in, back in the commodity-broking days, I mean, this was a B2C offering, of course. We, mm. I used to do my cold calls between, first thing in the morning, between 9 and 11 or 9 and 10.30. Yeah. And the idea was there, I wanted to get a, we, we, a successful call would be getting one of our information packs out of the door. Yeah. So the aim was to get five packs out the door in the in that spell between 9 and 10:30 um yeah. probably would take at least 20 25 calls um yeah. and not all of those would be connected maybe even more calls um and that might have been connected calls it's it's a fair while ago now to, i i, I could honestly can honestly even pick a best time i don't know if i'm honest I, th- I think it's fairly very very arbitrary very luck based um I'd, like you i have heard that between 5 and 7 even is a good time to get hold of c level executives yeah. cuz meetings have generally wound down and they they're catching up on stuff from the day
0: yeah. um and the receptionist has probably gone home the gatekeeper, time. <laughs> the gatekeeper's
1: probably uh, <laughs> bailed from the from the gate for a bit yeah, yeah that's right
0: See, no, no, I completely agree. And, and this, different companies that I've worked at in the past have said different times. And for traditionally, um, we were always told between ten and twelve, and then you have got two and four. But everyone else is doing exactly the same thing. But I don't think there's if if what you're, you're offering is is good and, and and offering that that particular company value that you're calling, I think it doesn't matter whether that's first thing in the morning, late on the evening, as long as you've got them on the phone. I think that's the main point I just, personally i don't think there's any particular time that, that works better for in, in from my point of view anyway
1: yeah no i'd agree and i think for, I think it depends on industry as well i think emails yes.
0: so much more prevalent now
1: um mm. so cold emails i would say are uh, probably uh, you would know this better than me but i would say they've probably overtaken uh yeah. cold calls to a, yeah, to a certain degree
0: yeah, I think it's different. Like From my point of view, um, like I said, I, I've introduced video and I think it's a really good way of engaging them to sort of see me as the sort of personality who they're t- dealing with. And, and there's been times where I've not necessarily been able to get them on the phone. For instance, that particular client on Friday that I mentioned, um, but I've done uh, a video introduction and shown them uh, good quality sort of candidates from my point of view that um, are related to their particular space. So they, they know that what I've got, and uh, what I offer is good and in line with what they're looking for. So there's, it's, uh, it, it depends on the approach and, and what you're offering. And, and it's the same, with, like I say, with a call, whether it's an email, whether it's a message on LinkedIn. It's all about what you're offering, I believe. And if it's a good – if it fits with what they require, then I think there's obviously it's positive all around. Absolutely.
1: Completely yeah. agree with
0: so, that. So the, so the next point is that 92% of all customer react- interactions happen over the phone. Now, I, I think that, that – I, I don't know how – old this, this um, particular uh, article is, but I think What's... that's still quite high. I I... But I still think that, from my point of view, in terms of the interaction, I think there's sales, you're never going to get away from having to pick up the phone at some point through the sales process. Um, that's my, my point, which is why probably 92% seems quite high.
1: I'd, I'd agree with that. What's the source, by the way?
0: Uh, so this was uh, so from Brevet Group. Right. Yeah. So it's an article from Brevet Group. So, um, so yes. uh, Yeah. Like I say, from, from, it was an article that I came across on LinkedIn, which is uh, obviously how I think you've seen it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're, I think you're right. Actually, there's probably some, some touch points that have to be locked down at some, some point during the process over the phone. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's uh, relatively accurate.
0: Yeah. And then the, the final point is, is, and I think this touches on what we were talking about earlier. Seventy-eight percent of salespeople use social media outsell their peers, but again, I think that still still seems quite a high stat. But I can see how that would uh, how that would be true.
1: Yeah, I guess the 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 I'd, what I'd want to map that back to is we've just spoken about how badly a lot of people are using social media, so. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to sort of see what sort of activity i mean if it's using something like linkedin sales navigator or linkedin premium or or inmail to make introductions i could probably could probably see that yeah. i found i found linkedin to be really good in that regard particularly if you don't know or don't have immediate contact details for someone and i think there's generally a pretty good response rate to relatively unsolicited messages if you're within the right sphere the thing that really gets my goat is someone will uh make it make an introduction and then their their next gambit is trying to sell you something and you're not even in a related field or they're offering some kind of business service or 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 other where there's not necessarily a use case for their product um i find that a bit a bit challenging sometimes um yeah
0: yeah do you do 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 a lot yourself through um contacting directly through linkedin or through other social media platforms yourself
1: I have done. Yeah. yeah. I have done. It's probably a mix. Um, are you a, a lot of referrals? So if I have been recommended or, uh, we've got a mutual acquaintance and I don't yeah. know that that person, then often I'll reference the the mutual friend and, um, we'll send a direct LinkedIn message, uh, as a view to, to getting a meeting. And I'd probably say the success rate there is generally pretty high. Okay. um, I'm, I'm sort of using it sparingly to people who I know will have a use case to use a Yodlee or one of our competitors. So it's yeah. sort of a, a warmish lead, I would sort of say, because they, yeah. they're at least going to be interested, and we're working what in what is effectively a, a triopoly, or there's a small number of, of players in the space. Mm. Um, but I found it to be surprisingly and pleasingly successful. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, but he said they are all interesting stats. So like I said, it's, it's an interesting article. and I, It's the first time I've sort of read it past a guest on um, what, what their thoughts in terms of those, because obviously you having such a strong background in sales, it was interesting to get your thoughts on it as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's, a, it's good. I, th- I think it probably um, it's one of those that you should reshare on a, on a semi-frequent basis. Yeah. um because uh, you know there'll always be fresh sets of eyes looking at it there might be fresh inputs there might be fresh comments or yeah. i'm sure there's n- new stats along those lines coming out all the time as well so it'll be interesting to sort of watch that that dynamic yeah. um to your point about i guess what what you're talking about particularly within your line of work is sort of differentiation and yeah. i certainly noticed that that the people who are getting eyeballs are the ones who are thinking outside the box or using other mechanisms or or other forms of content to draw people in or build a brand awareness. And that's what you're doing a great job of with a podcast. I know other people Mm. doing similar things with interviews um, in the fintech space as well. And um, it's a break from the norm and it does pique people's interest because it is different to so much of what's out there, which is largely dross. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but no, it's interesting. It's uh, it's been an interesting conversation. But um, in terms of if uh, what, one final question, I want to ask you, uh, Benny. Um, and and um, this is a question that I've asked various guests. In so, if you were to give sort of one piece of advice to to someone who uh, is looking to either start a new career in sales or a grad looking uh, to break into sales, what what advice would you would you give them? I I've, I've, I've thought about this a
1: little bit because as to all the points I've made earlier, I was completely clueless when I, I set out on this journey. I had no idea if I had any aptitude or uh, ability for it and yeah. still probably don't. But one thing that I would 100% do and I, I didn't do, but I certainly try and do now is align myself with a mentor or some mentors, yeah. Yeah. Uh, either salespeople or other business people whether they're from a, a venture capital background or a senior commercial person or, or what have you and i'd yeah. try and uh, use them as a sounding board see what value you could offer them in return yeah. whether it's yeah. helping out with certain aspects of their work whether it's sort of pulling together strategy documents that, for them that might be tangential to what you're actually doing but still good learning for you okay. and really look to sort of build up your skill set and broaden your skill set that way and benefit from their coaching or mentoring Cause I think okay. that can really sort of fast track your, your, your path to uh, success or, or growing and developing your career or at the worst case, open new opportunities and make you realize that perhaps, you know, sales might not be for you, but you might be more suited to something else.
0: No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant advice. And it is something that, um, so the mental aspects of it is, is something that I'm personally looking into at the moment and reaching out to, to various sort of contacts uh, with that regard. And, it was um I actually had to reach out to someone uh based in the UK um on because I knew that they had their mentors um and, and had done so for some time, um, on how to go about it, because how to approach because I think it's quite difficult to, to try and reach out to people um and asking for advice like that um and uh, without coming across quite needy, if you know what I mean. So um I it's something that I've personally started to take on board and, and hopefully uh, something that I'm putting into place um in, in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I also think the mental thing can go both ways as well. I, I read somewhere recently that senior executives are increasingly looking to younger people to be their mentors, particularly in this okay. sort of era of digital disruption. So yeah. um, I think largely for the most part, you will be approaching someone who is more senior to you. And, and absolutely, you don't want to appear completely needy. But I think generally people are keen to sort of pay it forward or pay it back. Mm-hmm. But there yep. might also be ways that you can help or assist them, or be a, a younger mentor to an older yep. mentee, sort of in reverse, and use whatever technology might have or, or things like that. So
0: I wouldn't oh, be provided you yeah. fra-
1: frame it okay. I wouldn't be worried about coming across as uh, as too needy. It, it's like yep. sales. It's like sales, and they can say no, and you just yes. you know move on to the next uh, move on to the next person and see if they're uh, interested in um, helping you out or working together.
0: No, it's a good point and really interesting. So, no, I appreciate that. And uh, so, it's it's been it's been great um, speaking with you, Ben. I really appreciate your time. And um, for for people that want to reach out to you, um, what's the best platforms or best ways of communicating with you? I,
1: I think the best way from a business perspective is via LinkedIn. Can be found yeah. on LinkedIn, uh, Ben Ford. You'll see me. There's a picture of me. I think I'm standing on a stage at some event or some conference. Yeah um my personal website is a fitness website aimed at uh, new dads who are st- struggling to stay in shape after uh, juniors come along that's superfitdad.com.au and okay. i'm on instagram i'm on facebook and you can email me at work if you uh, if you so desire
0: yeah no perfect and just just to just to, from, from personal reasons really in terms of the superfit dad then how does that work what's the uh, what's the opportunity there
1: so that was a blog that I set up after my boy Drake was born, and yeah. what I found was that even though I was pretty well disciplined when it came to my fitness and really keen on exercising, I think I'd done and I used to run a, a number of marathons and ultra marathons. Mm. I found it really, really hard to find the time to train, um, yeah. and you know. Um, and sharing parental responsibilities and duties and being tired from lack of sleep and working pretty hard at the time so it was really a, a means for me to sort of say well if this is a problem that i'm struggling with i'm probably not in my army of one here there's probably other people with facing similar challenges so yeah. if i can put out some content that helps people uh, in that area with nutrition with exercising with a bit of lifestyle design with some personal development and some growth stuff then you know that could be a, a useful a useful service and oh, um that's that's what it effectively is now my my blogging has been a bit more sporadic of late um but it's still something i i enjoy doing and hopefully uh add some value to to some people
0: oh good for you mate that's, that sounds really interesting it's something i would definitely be uh, be looking into with i uh, i've got a six-year-old and i've got another one on the way in a couple of months so it's it's definitely something that uh i'll be needing to uh to be looking up
1: well congratulations and um i'll uh i'll send you send you the link so you can uh
0: yeah, appreciate it, Ben. Well, thank you for your time today, mate. It's been a real pleasure to speaking with you and getting your insight, and I'm sure the, uh, the audience will get a lot of value from it.
1: Fantastic. Great speaking to you, Adam.
0: Cheers, mate. Have a good day. Take care. See you. Bye. Cheers.